Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me is my brother, Andrew. Hey there. And my husband, Dylan. Hello there. We miss Toby. Pour one out for Toby. Um, not on the equipment. Not on the equipment. <laughs> I just poured a whole beer onto my keyboard. Is that right? Oh, no. Everything's <laughs> exploding. Um, but it's all for Toby. We miss you. He's the reason we do this. The reason for the season. Halloween? Ooh, it's spooky season, speaking of. Andrew, are you celebrating spooky season? Yeah, I um, currently have set up a system in my basement where I lure people in there and they have to solve a series of games like Saw to escape. Should I be admitting that on on this podcast? I'm just glad that it's a tradition because I know you did it last year too. Yeah, no, and no one made it out. (laughs) For legal reasons, I should say that was a joke. I'm, I'm excited for spooky season. I've been very basic and had a pumpkin spice latte or two or five. And I, I've decided that spooky season started in September. Oh, I've been very resistant to that. I refuse to let spooky season happen until October, mostly because I'm sort of terrified by how fast this year has gone. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to at least give it wait till full on October. But there's 31 days here. We got plenty of time. It is weird that it's already October. Oh, gosh, we're almost at the end. But um, I'm gearing up for spooky season in that, as you guys know, as Pejos know, next time on the podcast is going to be a Stephen King spooktacular. And I have my big Stephen King compendium. Well, it has three books in it. It has his first three novels, which are Carrie, Salem's Lot, and The Shining. Um, Are those his first three novels? Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like wow, those are uh, those are three really great right out the gate novels. Yeah, well, I mean, he's the master, he's the goat, right? So he's the haunted goat. He's he's Black Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've decided that I'm gonna shoot for you know how we have the rule that if you have a book that has other books in it, like more than one book within one physical book, and you read them all, you get to pick the next book on the to-read list. Remember that rule, Andrew? Yes, the rule I created and then failed to <laughs> succeed at. But yes, I remember the rule. So I'm going to shoot for it. I'm going to try to do it. And hopefully because I'm in a spooky mood, it'll be okay. But it is like a thousand pages. So we'll see. Hey, you read Anna Karenina in two weeks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we're going to knock out The Shining in one car ride, right? Yeah, I think we're going to start it on audiobook. We're going to drive up to San Francisco and back. Maybe we'll finish it. We should stop by, you know, just a hotel we find on the way. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I realized that I don't know what Salem's Lot is about. I thought it was about a pet cemetery, but I realized that was Pet, pet Cemetery. cemetery. <laughs> I think it's about where Eminem will not grow old in. Oh, okay. Well, I'm excited because I don't really know what that one's about. And I just read this book um, by Grady Hendrix, a nonfiction book called Paperbacks from Hell that just talked about, you know, pulp fiction, horror fiction from the 70s and 80s. And they kept bringing up Salem's Lot. And I was like, okay, I guess this is a good one. I'm excited. No idea what it's about. Probably not about pet cemeteries, but maybe. It's about Salem, the character from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and his used car lot. I wish, man. But I have to transition now to the biggest news I've ever shared on the podcast. Are you ready? I don't think I am. I didn't know there was the biggest news ever coming. It's huge. It's bigger than when I announced I was pregnant. It's bigger than when we started the podcast. It is. I have no shame this week. Bailey, you have not had shame in the past. The issue is you've normalized walking to the bookstore so much that it feels like it's been forever. When we started this podcast, you very rarely had shame. Okay, but I feel like in the last year, (laughs) I've had shame all the time. And so I'm just really- You have. No, that's a correct feeling. (laughs) 
So I didn't get any new books, although I did try. I went to the bookstore to ask for a particular title that I thought had come out, and they're like, it hasn't come out yet. Like, oh, okay. But I mean, I think I deserve some some snaps. Well, not from lack of trying. <laughs> I tried to murder him, but I failed. <laughs> That's why it's called attempted murder. <laughs> <laughs> attempted shame. Um, Andrew, A, are you proud of me? And B, do you have any shame? So yes, I'm proud of you, because in general, Bailey, I am proud of you. Okay, great. But... Um, no, I'm not particularly proud of this accomplishment. It's two weeks without buying a book. It's not shouldn't be that crazy of a thing. Uh, and B, I do not have any podcast shame. Why do you say it like that? Uh, oh, sorry. That I realize that makes it sound like I've done something I'm I terribly ashamed of that I can't bring up. <laughs> that is not what I meant. What I meant is I have purchased a couple reference books for a project I might start working on that are not going to be on the um, on the podcast. Okay, well, I also want to know about your secret shame that you can't share. Well, I'll tell you, they're they're both more like reference books about a certain kind of folklore that I've decided I want to read up on. Baba Yaga. And that's all I'll say. Oh, so my latest thing has been doing embroidery and reading audiobooks, and I'm almost done with The Song of Achilles. Guys, have you heard of this book? I know, you know, nobody's heard of it. Yeah, it's not like we've covered the the author on on this podcast. It's fun. I'm really enjoying it. We should say for for the pages at home, it is uh, Madeline Miller's first novel preceding Circe. Correct. And it's about Achilles. Uh, last night, I googled, was the Trojan War real? I have told you this in the past. You have asked me this question. Well, I had to look. What did Mr. Google say? Google said, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that this isn't me coming from thinking that the Trojan War was real. However, the way it was taught in our school, a lot of people thought it was real because of how much time we spent on it. So it's not like, (laughs) I feel like a lot of high school students get taught that it is real. I think I thought that like, and maybe, I don't know, that there was a conflict between Greece and Troy and that it kind of united, you know, the different kingdoms of Greece. But maybe there wasn't, you know, weren't gods involved. There were no gods involved. But, but maybe it lasted 10 years. I don't know. There were no gods involved. There might have been a Troy that fell. But it happened so far beyond recorded history that the Iliad's the only thing we really have to go off of. Just some dude named Homer talking. Yep. I mean... I trust Homer. Anyway, I highly suggest it, and it's a great audiobook, and that's it. I was just looking up. The the history of Troy is a lot more complicated. We can't get into that. However, the city was said to have been ruled by Trode of Troy. How do you spell Trode? T-R-O-A-D. Trode. I don't know why that's so funny. Because it's a dumb name. <laughs> Hello, I'm Trode of Troy. <laughs> Hello, fellow Trojans. It's me, Trode. I'm Trode. Let me sit on my throne in Troy. (laughs) Stupid. Stupid. Uh, Anyway, um, let's try to, you know, salvage this podcast. Andrew, did you read a book? Did you read a book this week? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You want to hear about it? I read American Salvage by Bonnie Jo Campbell. Woo woo. American Salvage. Down, 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 better get away. Can you get out of Michigan? Or are you doomed to live there forever? Um, so, yes, it has been a while. And I actually don't know that I ever have for this podcast reviewed short stories. So if I'm a little discombobulated or my brain's all over the place or I'm a little silly, it's because I've had a really hard time organizing my thoughts about how to talk about something so different and with so many different uh, narratives. But here we go. As with any short story collection, a single log line isn't going to like cover all the different elements. However, this is what I'll do. If you pick up American Salvage by Bonnie Jo Campbell, here are some elements to expect. 
Michigan, methamphetamine, misplaced anger, crumbling homes, both literal and metaphorical, pervasive hurt, and Michigan. Again, Michigan's in it a lot. Mm, I do wish you had continued with the alliteration and done like I don't know, mumbling homes instead of crumbling. But I mean, that's just one note for the next draft. But that word uh, would be incorrect because the homes do not mumble. (laughs) So I say they do. Okay, fair, (laughs) fair. Um, But yeah, so to give a little more context, this is a a pretty slim uh, volume. It has 14 stories in it, um, ranging from around 30 pages to four. Um, Most of them live in like the 15 page range. And what they are, are these sort of Mostly vignettes. There's not a lot of like complete beginning, middle, end, tell the whole story of a life or like um, tell the whole story of, a, of an event. It's mostly sort of like vignettes of rural America, rural white America in, in Michigan in sort of um, less than flourishing. Uh, I don't know if this is an accepted word, like rust belt at its most rusty sort of way. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the world we're living in. Uh, in fact, I, I, I mentioned Michigan a lot because... I mean, that's where the book is set. But literally, the copy of the book I have is published by Made in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I bring up that fair state so often. So uh, let's jump into some some of the pros, some of the elves of reading American Salvage. Some of the stories really, really stick with you. Um, And I think the common theme of the ones that really stick with you is has to do with uh, Campbell's sort of mastery of how to reveal information. A lot of them are very upsetting. This is not a book that is lighthearted really in any way. Um, So don't go in if you're looking for like a good time. Maybe if you're looking for an interesting time, but she'll review, reveal information sort of piece by piece. You'll have this like sort of feeling of dread or you're like, I don't know what's up with this character or I think I figured this out. And then all of a sudden you'll get one more piece of information and be like, oh, that's a little, that's a little upsetting. Oh, oh, oh. Um, And so if stories like that uh, float your boat, there definitely are some in here that you'll like. I will call out the story family reunion as being particularly strong and upsetting in that in that front. It um, involves uh, a young girl who is like a, a, a sharpshooter and keeps hunting deer, even though her dad is like, stop shooting deer. Um, and she gets invited to her family reunion and her, her dad doesn't want to go and is really mad about it. And you're like, why is this guy so mad? And then all of a sudden you realize he's really, really mad. Oh, wait, he has an amazing reason to be really, really mad. Oh, God. So that's one. I won't go into more of the details in case you want to read it, because part of the fun, well, not fun, but part of the the experience is, is getting the reveal in that one. But Family Reunion is one I'll call out. Ooh. And then there's also a sort of trend in the book that the short stories, because there are about three or four um, stories that are only like four or five pages. And those were like uniformly some of my favorites because what I think Campbell has in her locker is the power to really punch hard and punch quick with a single idea. Um, and so there's a story called the solutions to Brian's problem, which is just a list of like seven options for this character named Brian to get out of, um, an awful relationship. And it's really sad. It's really powerful. And you sort of leave it realizing he's not going to, this problem's not solvable. That was one I would particularly call out. Um, and then there's a sort of longer story and it is actually the longest one in the book. Um, and it's called the yard man. And it has sort of a different tone to a lot of them. It still is involved in the same rural, lower class Michigan characters, but it's sort of this like mournful, like bath. You're just kind of soaked in this mournful bath about how some people just like 
cannot fit together. Some people who are in love with each other cannot remain together. Mm. Um, and how two people can see one thing and be have completely different views about it. And it has a lot of wonderful nature imagery. So that's a story I really liked. But yeah. I have a question. I know that you said that you got this book because you had it for a class and you read a story or two from it. Which story did you read from it? Do you remember? Well, I I think I read multiple ones because I, th- I think a couple of them were assigned. And I believe, unlike Wuthering Heights, I did do the reading assignment on this. Because <laughs> um, a couple of them were marked up. The ones I definitely read were one called Winter Life um, and World of Gas, which are both probably fall into the middle of the ones that I like in this in the story they're not my favorite they're not my least favorite okay did you find like what was the experience like going back and seeing 19 year old yours use uh, marginalia yeah it wasn't like it was mostly underlining this one wasn't there wasn't anything particularly egregious i wrote sense of foreboding in very large letters um <laughs> at one point but yeah so it was interesting to come back to some of this and and remember it. and then i think weirdly this is also the first time i think this has happened to me on the podcast i think i read way more of this book <laughs> than I remembered because I remembered a lot of the stories. Um, Are you going to count that as an orc where it's like an orc? I've read this before. No, it's not an it's not an orc, but I mean, it does tell you a little bit about it that I didn't remember that I'd read so much about the book. Yeah. Um, Campbell's a really strong writer and I've given her a lot of time in the elves section because ultimately I didn't really like this book. If Ooh. that hasn't come through yet. I don't think and it has. I, yeah. And I didn't really want to slam her. If you're looking forward in the book, there's a lot you can really like. There's some beautiful writing. There's some very powerful stories and there's some great ideas onto the orcs. But why'd you hate it? Well, I didn't hate it. I, so I'm going to tip my final rating. My final rating on this book is three stars. Okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I just, I don't know. Maybe I need to read more short story collections. Maybe the stories didn't have enough variety in them for me, but I just kind of was like, okay, there's another one. Okay. There's another one. Okay. There's another story. Oh, oh, this one's four pages. Sweet. Oh, sick. <laughs> but yeah. So here, here are some, some of the orcs. The stories I enjoyed less were the ones that sort of more the more standard length ones. I liked the, the really long one and I liked the short ones a lot. Um, but there were a lot in the sort of 15 to 19 pages and they just kind of felt repetitive. A lot of them had, uh, for lack of a better word, awful men at the center that either expected you to empathize with them or like pulled the rug out about them. And I was like, I already knew that this guy wasn't great. It was, that's not much of a reveal. <laughs> um, and then after a certain amount of time, I could only really deal with so many abusive drunk men and abusive, drunken, drug-addicted women. It was a lot to take in in a collection. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if it's fair that that is a criticism of the book um, necessarily, or like that's not a reason necessarily to hate the book. Because I think if I ran across some of these stories um, here as part of a collection that had a bunch of different authors that was like um, curated, I think I'd like them more because it would be different. But they just didn't shine. There was not a good return rate on ones that like shone to me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And this is my sort of main criticism about it. And it's not necessarily fair to the author, but I think I would have, and I think I did the stories I read experience the characters and this story differently in 2009, which is, I believe when it came out, than I do now in 2021, because I, this isn't a political podcast, but like, the people in this book that I feel like Campbell feels like she's giving voice to 
have all of a sudden had a very prominent voice and have been have shown that they don't care about empathy. So I had a hard time empathizing with them. And I know that that's not true of everybody, but that was what I kept coming back to. Spoiler for the facts, a lot of the information for her, the articles written, were in like from 2011. She hasn't written in a while. And there were some very sad articles about like, um, Bonnie Jo Campbell gives voice to Forgotten America in 2009. It, it, yeah. it was so quaint was was so quaint reading it. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. So that's the thing. It, it, and so that's not necessarily a fair criticism of the book as written, but it is a fair reflection of my experience reading it. Like, it's just like, I see what you're doing here, but it's just like, it, it's not effective to me in 2021. Yeah. And actually, the last orc I had written down was, I think the, to- the, the tone of look at these forgotten people just hasn't aged well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I wish I had more to say about this book. I wish I had more interesting things to say about it. I just, uh, it's a three-star book for me. It's, hey, there are stories in it that I, that I think are very powerful. There are stories that I will never think about again. And then overall, I sort of, the tone just didn't jive with where I am right now. So three stars. Uh, I'd be interested to read, I think, a longer form for her because I think, honestly, she used a lot of the same themes in each story and that repetitive thing got a little frustrating. But if she wrote a novel, I would maybe check it out. But yeah, three stars. Are you going to keep keep it on your shelf and then read it again in 20 years, forgetting that you've already read it? I might as well at this point. I've had it so long. My, the issue is my name and phone number are written in this copy. So I guess I have to cross it out before I donate them. I don't really want people to call me. <laughs> what if people called you? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's American Salvage. All right. Well, um, that's three star book. Do you, Dylan, do you have any uplifting facts about Miss Bonnie Jo? She's led a very uplifting, downlifting and side lifting life. She's led a very weird life. All right. This is going to shock you guys. But Bonnie Jo Campbell was born on September 14th, 1962 in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Michigan? No way. Oh my God. Michigan. Yep. On a farm. With a mom and a bunch of sisters, she did a lot of farm work, including a whole article I had to read about her expertise on boar castration. And she attended Comstock High School, from which she graduated in 1980, and she set the record for 3,001 sit-ups under the eyes of her physical education teacher, Patricia Ashby. So nobody say that I can't find facts. 3,001 sit-ups in a row? Yes. No. Well, take it up with her PE teacher, Patricia Ashby, because I know her name. All right. I just imagine her going like one, two, and the, and the teacher leaves the room. She comes back. 3,001. Billy, you know the name of the teacher, so you should say. Sorry. Patricia Ashby. Um, she got a degree, uh, a BA in philosophy from the University of Chicago in 1982, then went to Western Michigan University to get a uh, master's in mathematics. So she's actually a trained mathematician. But while working on her doctorate, her advisor suggested creative writing. What what advisor was telling someone working on their doctorate? Okay, I see you got this whole thesis in math, but like maybe, you know, why don't you just, you know, try your hand at uh, short stories? Well, she did. She traveled with the Ringling, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus uh, all around this Europe. This is a mad lib. <laughs> all around Europe. Now, here's the thing. A lot of uh, the book reviews and book facts were being cute about that fact. I dug in further. She sold snow cones. She worked concessions Wait, for the circus. Wait, what does this have to do with math or creative writing? I'm not sure you need a degree to sell concessions for the circus. Okay. That's what she did. Specifically a doctorate. (laughs) But while she was doing that, she also biked around all of Europe and a lot in the Swiss Alps, apparently. She ran a bunch of bike groups. And then when she got tired of all that, 
somehow, uh, she came back and started writing. And this actually was her first huge hit. She did have another novel called Q Road, but then American Salvage kind of blew up. She won a Pushcart Prize for it. Cool. But it was also uh, nominated for the 2009 National Book Award. And she has written uh, novels, but only two. Her writing, it's weird. Basically, from 2003 to 2016, she wrote three three books. Then she has not written a lot since. Interesting. Wait, what about, what's her three books? Nah, I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. No, they are American Salvage, uh, Once Upon a River, which they just made a movie of. And then also another big one is called Mothers Tell Your Daughters More Short Stories. But she also writes poetry. And she also, and she really pushes this, um, for decades, Campbell has put together a personal newsletter, the Letter Parade, that she puts out. And I think she's focusing more on that now. How many push-ups can she do? (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, she's doing great now. She uh, teaches in a low residency program in Pacific University. She still lives in Kalamazoo with her husband. She raises donkeys. Now, I know you're worried, but the donkeys' names are Jack and Don Quixote. To quote her... They are beasts of burden of the world, and I just want to spoil mine to make up for the suffering of others, she says, voice softening. They're very smart and cautious, which I respect. And also, this is from a few separate articles, and she keeps mentioning Jack and and Don Quixote. I think they're gorgeous. Now when I see horses, I pity them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I might add a star for that quote. (laughs) She also makes her own berry wine and practices kabuto, the art of Okinawan weapons, in her farm in uh, Kalamazoo. And for some reason, I thought she was a recluse because some of them were saying how, like, she just doesn't like the public or anything. She is on Twitter, though. And she does respond very well to people tweeting at her. Okay. So if you want to ask her how many push-ups she can do, you can probably tweet at her. I'm very curious. And that's Bonnie Jo Campbell. Excellent facts, Dylan. You really got some great info. Yeah, well done, bud. Good job, Dylan. That, that was a lot of fun. It makes me think about other things that I've done that were fun in life. I've had so many fun ages. How about you? How about you, Bailey? Maggie's at such a fun age, you know what I mean? All this to say, I read a book this week. <gasps> what was it called? It's called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every age is fun. So, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. This is a recent book. Um, it was Reese Witherspoon's book club pick in January of 2020. Very recent. And... Uh-huh. What? You said recent. Like Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, okay, I get it. Reese. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, let's, let's, Can you explain it one more this. time? <laughs> um, so uh, you guys probably have seen this book around. It's blowing up Instagram, Bookstagram, because it's a very cool cover and a very good book. Spoiler alert. And a fave of Maggie. And a fave of Maggie. This book we chose. Well, we didn't choose. My daughter chose because she continually took it off the shelf and brought it over to me. And I'm like, okay, Maggie, we'll give it a shot. Uh, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. This is a contemporary novel that deals with a lot of, you know, thorny, messy, hard to look at um, contemporary issues, particularly with white women in America. Um, And it is about a transactional relationship. It follows a babysitter named Amira. She is a young black woman who has graduated a few years before from Temple University, and she's living in Pennsylvania, not sure what to do with her life yet. And she takes a job as a babysitter for a rich white family. Um, 
the mother, who's one of the main characters named Alix, we come to find out later her real name, her birth name is Alex. She's a famous influencer known for like handwriting letters and getting a lot of sponsorships and this sort of thing. So Amira becomes the babysitter for Alix's oldest child, Briar, who is a very precocious, interesting, fun kid who's obsessed with like tea and staring at nuts and I'm, I'm sorry staring at nuts staring at nuts it's part just, of her thing just like there's a walnut there well like cool. a, a part of the book is they go to a grocery store to look at the nuts because <laughs> as Amira says we're just really into nuts right now <laughs> I just think that's you know one of my elves is I really think she nailed what it's like to hang out with a little kid um and little uh, she's so cute Briar and she says the darndest things so anyway so um this relationship is happening then a, how can I say this? I, I, it's in the opening, so I'm just going to explain what happens. Yeah, yeah. So the catalyst for the for the book is that Amira is called in while she's out at a party. So she comes in kind of in like a club outfit and she, she has to help take care of Briar while Alix and her husband are dealing with something at home. So she takes Briar to the local grocery store, which is like a fancy rich people's grocery store. But because She's a black woman with a young white child and she's dressed in a certain way and she's dancing and it's 10 o'clock at night. This one woman reports her to the security guard thinking that she's stolen the child and another person records it and it becomes a whole thing. So that's the catalyst for the story. And it starts to have all these repercussions in how Alix treats Amira. Alix really wants to prove that she's woke but in trying to do that, she just keeps making more and more mistakes. And then somebody from Alix's past comes out and might ruin everything or might change everything. So it's just a really great book. I really loved it. I was interested to see that on Goodreads, the reviews are pretty uh, pretty split. But for me, I just found it really engaging. Um, I read it really quickly because Kylie Reed is great at putting in unexpected twists just when you start to get used to what's happening. Suddenly there's like a bomb dropped and you have to be like, wait, what? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so you, you keep going. And like I said, the relationships are very interesting. The dialogue is really strong. Amira's connection to Briar is so cute. And it's so heartwarming because Amira knows that she doesn't want to really be involved with this woman at all, but she just loves her daughter. And she feels like if she leaves, she stops babysitting for Briar, then Briar won't get the love and attention she needs, which I thought was a really good motivation for why she sticks around because anybody else would be like, I'm done. I also really liked that it started with the big event. It puts you like in media res, like right in the event. And then you go back and sort of figure out who's who and what the dynamics are. But right away, you understand what's at play. And I I think it just makes it more and more propulsive. I also just really thought that the themes and the questions it brings up were so interesting. It talks about race, class, and you know the nature of Instagram, the nature of like what you present versus what's real. I really wanted to dig into this book with a book club. So I actually went to Goodreads and looked at like the conversations that people have because I wanted to talk about it with somebody. <laughs> uh, so if you read it, please hit me up because I'd love to talk to you about it. I read it. If you're not my husband. <laughs> but I think um, it's really important, I think, for white people to read, especially because it shows like somebody on Goodreads said something like these people are trying to do right, but they're going about it in all the wrong ways and they're only doing bad. But there are moments where like I understood what Alix was trying to do. And which is so hard to say, which is, you know, something that you might not want to say after reading the book because she's not a very good character. But like 
She wants to do good. She wants to be anti-racist, but her efforts to do it goes about it all in the wrong way. And um, there were some complaints online about clarity. People were un- are confused about some parts. And I-, I guess I can understand that. And I know it's her first novel. So maybe in the future, it'll be more clear. But I think in general, the intention is there. You understand like basically what- what's going on, even if you don't understand the specifics. And I really loved it. Um, I sped through it and I give, I'm going to give it five stars. I think I'm going to think about this book for a while and I'd love to talk about it with anybody. I guess I'll talk about Whoa. it with you, Dylan. What did you think about uh. it? <laughs> no, I, I really liked it um, in terms of what kind of what you're mentioning about like the characters and how it's not a slight story because they are doing with like this big event. But there was one line when they're talking about uh, the video blowing up and people said the reason it caught on was because it was a racist video that didn't ruin your day no one dies in it yeah and it kind of made me realize like oh that's kind of what they're trying to say about this story too because we've heard a lot of like um especially over the last few years in terms of race relations like we've heard really intense stories involving policing and white privilege and how to deal with it but this also addresses like the really gray area of the day-to-day life that people face. Yeah, it's this more subtle, insidious racism. It's not, you know, violent. It's not in your face, but it's messy and thorny and hard to digest and hard for people. Especially messy because almost every character in it is right and wrong at the same time. Right. The only orc I have, and I kind of read a little bit about that when researching, and I do, it's not that much, but it's the reason why I give it four stars instead of five, mm-hmm. is that Amira on purpose doesn't have agency. She's going through like a quarter life crisis. She doesn't know what she wants to do in life, which is great, but a lot of stuff then kind of either A, happens to her or all these other personalities kind of take over. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I and agree. It, it definitely fixes it up at the end, but like there's a lot, a huge chunk of things where it's like people are planning Amira's future out for her. Right. And I I had the same thought. And then I justified it in my head by we need her character to be a little bit aimless because part of, you know, Alix's goal is to guide her career. But that's not really what Amira wants. So if Amira came in knowing what she wanted, then that couldn't have been a part of Alix's path, I think. So I understand that critique, but I'm still going to give it five stars. And I really think it's a great book to read and great book to read now. Nice. You've been on quite the little five-star rampage recently, haven't you? I know. It's been feeling great. It's been feeling like um, like not, not doing homework. It's been fun. Yeah. No pressure, Stephen King. <laughs> 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 um, but no, that's great. That, that, your reviews make me want to check this out. It seems like a book that's perfect for like adding to my non-to-read list queue because it's something I could probably read pretty quickly and still get all my reading done for the to-read list. And it seems really interesting and really good. Absolutely. As we're getting to the end of the year, you need to hit your Goodreads quota for the reading challenge. It's a fast one. I recommend it. Nice. Dill, do you have any facts on Miss Kylie Reed? Okay. So Kylie Reed, you guys ready to get depressed? Mm. was born in Los Angeles, California in 1987. Okay, that's not that bad. Hey, she's older than me. However, there were a lot of articles about her uh, from the Arizona Times and the Tucson Times because they really claim her as like she's Arizonan. Because from the ages of 7 to 20, she lived in Arizona and she went to University of Arizona. Okay. So if you want to start a fight, say that Kylie Reed is from California to an Arizonan. Okay. And most of them will be like, 
What? And unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't see how many um, setups she could do, and it didn't mention her PE teacher, so... Okay, well, that's a big problem. Um, but she did bounce around from colleges because she didn't know what she wanted to do. Interesting. Interesting. Um, she didn't finish University of Arizona. Instead, she transferred to Marymount Manhattan in New York because she was doing theater. She wanted to be an actress. Cool. But <laughs> she didn't have a lot of luck with that. And while she was doing that, she spent six years caring for children. Interesting. And when asked about it, uh, there was a very longer explanation that explained that Alix isn't really based on a specific person. It's based on uh, the, you were saying the transactional relationship. Yeah. That she had with some families, although she said a lot of her families were nice. But a lot of the book she pulled from her experience with the children, because she says, "But I definitely had children with whom I was very close. But I'm lucky in that I'm so close with some of the moms. But I think that is also due to class similarities between me and some of the families, which make it easier for me to have a relationship. Amira and Alex have a very different class background, and I want to highlight how that affected their relationship. She absolutely succeeded. Um, I also don't know how serious this was because she mentions this story twice. That one time in my old office when I was a receptionist, I was single, so I was going to audition for The Bachelorette. The director of my office said to me, oh, well, you would straighten your hair first, though, wouldn't you? <gasps> Whoa. That comment happened seven years ago, and it's still with me. I mean, that's messed up. She, While she was um, uh, working as a nanny, she applied uh, to nine graduate schools, mm -hmm. and she got rejected by all of them. Ooh. Somehow, in the year in between, she moved to Arkansas. Okay. That's in there. Uh, and then she applied the next year and got accepted into all nine. Whoa. Yep. Whoa, what a turnaround. You just got to go to Arkansas. She has some really motivational article things that she said, originally I was applying for the programs. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a lot in the year in between, including starting this book. And she then said, I'm going to be writing this book. Will this program help me? And that got her in. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so she went uh, to the Iowa Writers Workshop. Nice. The really fancy one. Got her MFA there and was awarded the Truman Capote Fellowship. And she taught undergraduate classes uh, in race class and creative writing and while she was there she finished this book that before she graduated uh basically got the book deal and the media rights well this is an obvious like adaptation yep. lena waith will be directing it or producing it they don't know what it's going to be yet but it's like this this is going to be a thing interesting nice she now lives in philadelphia with her husband and she says that i came to philadelphia in 2015 to see beyonce and i fell in love with the city then I wish there was a name for it, but I think certain cities have a bit of an it factor in terms of architecture and people and food. So, oh, by the way, now Philadelphia claims her. Like, I was reading Philadelphia time on, like, how she's a true Philadelphian. What about Arkansas? Or what about Arizona? What about New York? We don't have anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this book has been nominated, has been long listed for the Booker Award. Yeah. But yeah. Great job. Well, great facts, Dylan. I think there could have been more information on how much she can bench. But uh, yeah. Uh, so that's Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Five stars. Check it out. Um, Andrew, you know, are you in the mood for a game? Do you want to play a game? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm in your basement. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in the mood for a game. Y'all want to play? Heck yeah. I miss Toby. You don't want to play against me? I just wanted to say that I miss Toby. That's fair. We all miss Toby. But you're playing this game together. <gasps> so it's not a versus, okay? You need to you need to work together here. Okay. Remember, everything's at stake because the game you're playing this week is called Corporate Jail. 
Ooh. The way this game works, let me read a little situation for you. Then I'll explain the rules. But just know you're working together. If I must. All right. The year is 2023. You two are both trapped in a space jail. A lot has happened. I in thought this, this joke. I was going to say. I thought that joke was funny. <laughs> wow, Jeffrey Bezos has been busy. Yeah, you are already in, in corporate space jail. Um, through months of reconnaissance, you figured out the complex system that would allow you to unlock the airlock doors and escape. The system is real weird. Each airlock wall requires you to answer two of three prompts correctly, so you can get one wrong. The prompts: names of companies. The answers, if they're headquartered in Michigan or Philadelphia. (laughs) So (laughs) you're working together. You're going to come to three different airlock walls and then a final fourth if you make it. You need to get two of the three companies correct. And you need to tell me if they're headquartered in Philadelphia or Michigan. And you need to agree and and push the button at the same time. So no one can steal or anything like that. I've got a question, though. What if a company that is located in Michigan in this current year moves to Philadelphia in 2023 or vice versa? Really great question. It really won't happen because I'm going to keep these companies here through sheer force of will. Okay, cool. I'm ready. All right. First airlock wall. Okay. You've come up to it. First prompt comes up. The logo for the much loved convenience store and gas station, Wawa. Philadelphia or Michigan? Philadelphia. You feel very confident. Yeah, what? Well, I'm afraid because it's 2023 and I don't know. Uh, Is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's Wawa, Philadelphia. Okay. That is correct. You've got one right. Okay. Airlock door number two. Was I the only one paying attention during Mayor of Easttown? Come on. Oh, you're right. Okay. Where I fell in love with Wawa was New Jersey, but it is very much a Pennsylvania thing. All right. Number two comes up in this airlock wall. Ford Motor Company. Where could that be headquartered? Detroit. Michigan. That's correct. You've unlocked this door. You get the sense that this door was the easy door. <laughs> they could have saved money by not having these doors here. <laughs> All right. Bump, 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 bump. No one sees you. You're in the clear. Second airlock door. It's a little harder. Or at least I think it is. Kellogg's. Kellogg's, I think, is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, right? Because... The movie. Well, no, I was thinking about how, like, Kellogg's is real weird and, like, you're supposed to eat cereal so you wouldn't... You know, yeah, I think that sounds like a Pennsylvania thing. It does sound like a Pennsylvania thing. All right. Our Pennsylvania listeners, please still listen to us after this bizarre accusation. All right. We put our hands on the button and say, Pennsylvania. The door first says, you don't need to say it like that. And second of all says, incorrect. It's in (gasps) Battle Creek, Michigan, I believe, but Uh, it's definitely Michigan. So you need to get these next two correct or you are locked in space jail forever. Oh, no. Need to eat some cornflakes. Cornflakes will keep you from exploring your body. Um, Number two pops up and it says, you really need to get this right. Urban Outfitters. Ooh. I wouldn't have thought it was either of those places. I know. I mean. They both have cities. And they both have 20-year-olds. Uh, I'm going to go to Pennsylvania on that one. Go, all right. We're going to go Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And that is correct. Yay. It all comes down to this. Yay. All right. Three weird-looking faces pop up. It's the Pep Boys Auto Parts. <laughs> Pep Boys. What's that from? I'm going to assume Michigan because it's car stuff, right? Auto, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We say Michigan. Slowly. The room you're in fills with gas that stuns you. You pass out and you wake up back in your space jail cell. I'm so sorry. You did not escape space jail. It took us like two years to do those first two doors. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You didn't make it. And it would be 
untruthful of me to say that you did. Um, <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, where do you think Domino's Pizza is headquartered? Michigan. No, Pennsylvania. Uh, New York. <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Um, oh. I believe they're headquartered in Ann Arbor. Let's peek behind the curtain here for a second. Had you made it to the final step, it was going to be a one yes or no question for National Coney Island, which is apparently headquartered in one of those two places and not Coney Island. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? What do you think, Dylan? Uh, Pennsylvania. No, wait. Michigan. The answer was Michigan, but you didn't make it there. <laughs> Jeff Bezos has you in a space prison probably forever now. Um, and thank you for playing this very, very dumb game. Great job. Good job, everyone. We did it. It was an okay job. <laughs> Great job. We nailed we it. And teamwork forever. Well, we're still in space jail, but we still have to read books for next episode. So as a reminder, I'm going to be reading Stephen King's The Shining and maybe Carrie and Salem's Lot too. Toby's reading Skeleton Crew, which will be our Stephen King spooktacular. So we need to know what Andrew's reading. Um, it's time for Dylan to choose books at random from our shelf. It's time for The Choosening. The Choosening. The Choosening. Now, Andrew, I know you had a really tough book this time, but hopefully this next one will lift your spirits. Hopefully get you singing with Sing, Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. Ooh. Ooh, I have this one on my list too. Ooh, Bailey, join me. Yay. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. This is a book that... We've talked about a situation like this before, I think for Bailey and, and maybe for me too, where I brought this book on a vacation. I really enjoyed what I was reading, but it just was not a book I wanted to read on vacation. Yeah. Um, and then I just never picked it back up. And I'm really glad I'm getting a, I'm being lightly forced to do it because I'm really excited and I really enjoyed the first hundred pages or so I read. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Well, that means... You're welcome. Good job, Dylan. Uh, so again, in two weeks on the podcast is our Stephen King Spooktacular with Skeleton Crew and The Shining. And then two weeks after that will be Sing Unburied Sing by Justman Ward. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads, Instagram, and the story graph at the To Read List Podcast. And if you like what you heard today, um, there are a couple ways you can help us out. If you go to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review as well as a rating, it helps boost our signal and, and people can find us a little more easily. But more directly, our best way of finding new listeners is through word of mouth. So tell a friend, a book lover in your life, uh, a Michigander, um, someone who's woke, uh, and tell them about this podcast and uh, tell them to give us a listen. That'll probably help us out the most. And thank you for all listening. Thanks to Andrew and Dylan for co-hosting the podcast with me to toby for following his dreams and to miss jillian beth turkey for composing our intro song see you in two weeks happy reading books books books, books, books. books. books.